welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs, and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. I interview entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information that can help you move past your blocks and move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. The show's available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including Apple Podcasts, which is also iTunes, on YouTube, and on my website, winnieanderson.com. You know, back in 1984-85, I finally admitted to myself that what I experienced growing up was abuse. I thought that naming it would be enough, that I was mature and smart, and that I hadn't let the abuse hurt me as an adult. Boy, was I wrong. I had just stuffed it into a closet and thought that if I didn't dwell on it, but I just kept moving forward, then I'd be fine. But it wasn't until about 2010 when I realized that the strategies I had developed to deal with that abuse had become habits and personality traits that, while they contributed to my success as a corporate professional, were now actively holding me back. I was struggling to create the independent success I dreamed of, and the wounds left by the abuse were incredibly deep. Once I faced that I was apparently still struggling to overcome the emotional trauma I suffered as a child, but that also continued through adulthood, I knew it was time to face it, heal from it, and move forward to create the new life I wanted. As I started my healing journey, I threw myself into studying abuse and its impact on adults. I learned there are more of us out there than I thought, and that the implications were much bigger than I ever thought. The impact of of abuse is far-reaching. It includes physical, mental, emotional health issues and can prevent you from making the leaps that you want to make professionally. The effects can be deep and they can last a lifetime. Part of the struggle to heal can be attributed to the feelings of shame we, we victims experience and the dismissive admonishment to just get over it. In this episode, I talk with my friend and colleague, Becky Norwood, who decided to courageously tell her story, and in doing so, has freed others to tell theirs too. She also discovered a business hidden in the process. First, a disclaimer. None of the information shared in this or any other episode of The Courageous Entrepreneur is meant to take the place of help from a skilled professional. If you're an adult survivor of child abuse, first of all, don't let anyone minimize what you went through or tell you that it wasn't that bad and you should be over it. I encourage you to get help in facing and fully recovering from your abuse by contacting a trained professional therapist or counselor. The resources that are shared in the show notes are not to be taken as specific endorsements. Some are resources I used and that helped me. Your situation is your situation and they may not be helpful to you. I do want you to know that help is out there and it is possible to come out from under the long shadow cast by your abuse experience and into the warm and bright light of joyful living. So in this episode, you'll hear Becky share why she decided to tell her story, how she handled the family reaction to publishing her book, and what she did to protect the identity of those still alive, the benefits she's experienced since coming clean with her story, 
how she's using her suffering to empower others and turn her mess into a mission. And as always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your reflection exercise and action step for this episode. All right, so welcome, Becky. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here with you. So let's just dive right in, right in. And I have to ask you, what led you to share your story of abuse in a book? You know, my story had kind of stuck with me for a very long time. It was, it felt like, even though mine started when I was just a very small child, it went on throughout a part of, a part of my adulthood, um, simply because when it, when you start out as a child to, um, with abuse, that's all you know, and you seem, as you grow into adulthood, you attract the same things into your life. And so over the years, I, I've done all that I could do to, you know, or I thought I had done all I could do to kind of overcome it, but I still had these horrible bouts of depression that just felt like a wet blanket that constantly was hanging over my head, and I really got tired of it, and there was a series of, we've had in our family four suicides, and there was, by the time the fourth one, I was so tired because I really struggled with depression with those times as anybody would, but you finally have to say, all right, I've got to find a way to not go into these, you know, and I kept working. I kept doing all the things I could need to say, but that inner thing was just so pronounced that I really tired of it. And I had been to enough trainings and I've been working with my clients on publishing their books. And as I was out networking, I was always saying, you've got a story in you. When are you going to tell it? And somebody looked at me and said, where's your story? <laughs> and finally, I was like, Ugh. and so I was really hesitant. Actually, when I first started learning about self-publishing, in the audience that day, I named my book. But five years later, I still had not done it because every time I tried to sit down and write it, it was it just still hung on. I, it was hard to write. But then one of my very dear, dearest friends, her name is Sue Ferreira, and I know you know her. Her and I went to an event, and we're, uh, we spent the day after this event, and it was all more on book publishing and content creation. And um, she said, and so I was just telling her kind of, I just felt the need to talk, and we spent the whole day walking along the coastline there in La Jolla, and then we went into Old Town, San Diego, and she said to me, Becky, the only way you're going to get through this is if you just speak, stand up and tell your story. So I made the decision right there and then that I would, and I came home, and I just, like by divine providence, I guess you would say, had pretty much finished up with a whole big group of clients, and I was, I knew I had needed to be out marketing for more clients, but I had been so busy with those that I didn't. And so I I knew I was at a time where I had a choice to make. So I took three months off, and that's all I did was write. And it was amazing for me. When when I had it finished, I had my family read it. Not all my family members, the ones that loved me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... You know, the consensus was, well, you have to, you know, it would be healthiest for you to to 
because it made such a difference in me to write, because everything I wrote just kind of put things in perspective. Mm -hmm. It changed the way I felt about it. In essence, as I wrote my story, it began to be like I was writing a new story for myself. And it changed everything. And the depression lifted. I haven't had any bouts in about a year now. That's wonderful. And it's just been incredible. And um, then when I published, it was like I was just such awe because so many reached out to me and said, thank you for having the courage. Mm -hmm. And so many reached out and said, I have had this experience too. And one of the things I did when I was writing my book is I started researching about this issue because I didn't know how massive this issue is. Huge. And, and when I started discovering the statistics, and they have no way to know if those are true, but right now it's standing like one in three women and one in five boys, mm-hmm. girls and boys, as children. This isn't talking about right. all the other type of stuff that goes on, whether domestic violence or wherever. And abuse is abuse, no matter what kind of abuse. So, you know, if it's emotional abuse, physical abuse, all these things, especially when it starts at childhood, it's it's so difficult to overcome. Mm-hmm. So from that, I, I realized that I could no longer keep my keep quiet. I couldn't be silent. And so now it's developed into some really amazing things for me. That's fantastic. That's really fantastic. So there are a couple of things there that I want to touch on. One is this issue of you have family that, you know, obviously were involved either directly or indirectly as spectators, if you will, if not participants in what happened. Do you think that um, was there any kind of fear or concern or sensitivity about those people hearing your story or seeing it in print? Do, do you think that possibly held you back from talking oh, about yeah. it? It okay. did. It did. And as it turned out, um, there were certain family members I didn't tell. And in hindsight, I probably should have told in advance. However, um, I did it for me and not for them. I didn't use their names. Right. I didn't use their locations. I did use my name, but we've been away from each other for so long. Most, most, any, maybe, a, maybe two or three people in the whole world would know that we had been family, you know. Right. And even at that, it didn't give any names. Um, in retrospect, I probably a couple of them I should have probably told, but at the same time. <laughs> it was kind of hilarious and sad and hilarious and amazing at the same time. Um, through Facebook, one family member found it and bought the book, read it, and called me and said it was absolutely fabulous and had it, I had the courage and made him think a whole lot about what, you know, what had transpired in our lives. And then, but then he totally misrepresented it to my mother. And um, my mom was terribly, terribly hurt. And I've had a lot of conversations with her. And I sent her the book and I said, okay, here, just read it with an open mind. And it's taken a while, but now she's realized, she has said, I am so amazed at what you're doing. And she says, I don't like your book because it's, well, I asked the question, where was my mom? Right. You know, Um, in my case, the perpetrator has passed away. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that I didn't have that concern. But those are some concerns because I work with women all the time to, to be writing their stories. And those are the first questions I ask. You know, is the perpetrator still alive? Um, what about the family members? You know, but I had to do this for me, for my healing. And the remarkable changes that have happened in my life is just so worth it. You know, and I think in, in the what family members that I have left, the ones that have read it, it has made an impact on their lives. They don't like it, but it has, it's made them think and it's made them kind of really look at their lives too because it happened to them as well by the, same, by the same person. So, so direct abuse happened to them as well, not just that they were spectators. No, it happened with them as well. Yeah, Maybe not yeah. as, as pronounced as mine, but it happened. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's colored their world, and they're still living it. Yeah. It's, yeah, they, they refer to it, I've seen it referred to as the long shadow of, of abuse in general, childhood, childhood mm-hmm. abuse. And your description of that depression being like a heavy, wet blanket is, is kind of like that long shadow. And I think that finally telling the story, no matter who you tell it to or you come out as boldly as you have with a whole book about it, I, I think it does help you lift that shadow, lift that blanket, and come out from under that awful burden that this really, it really is. It's, it's weight. Yeah. I so think can you, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, my observation on that is that it sets the story free. It yes. no longer yep. is your story, and it's like it releases it. It's yeah. just gone. You know? It gives you permission to write a new one. It totally does. And I was even having a conversation with my husband about it last night because he's been remarking about the amazing changes that I've made in my life and what I'm doing about all of this and how I've started a huge movement now to help women. And um, I said to him, you know, it's so amazing as I stopped to reflect that the, the pain of that past that held on to me for so long, and I was 60 when I wrote my book, you know, Th- that pain, now I can talk about it, but it doesn't make me start crying. It doesn't make me feel anguish. It doesn't make me depressed. It's like it's detached from me. It's like it's something yeah. that's far away, you know, and yeah. even though you have things that will trigger most of the time, I've learned how to deal with the triggers, mm-hmm. and I've also seem like because I wrote a new story and because I've reached out to so many others to help, it's changed it. It's just changed it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that past, the before and the after. Can you really talk about or pinpoint some some things that you feel uh, the, the story and your abuse that kind of left you with, I'm going to just call them scars, things that were actively holding you back from achieving all that you really wanted to achieve prior to telling your story. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, in my abuse, I was always told I was ugly, stupid. I would never make it in the world as part of, aside from the sexual abuse, it was, it was constantly. Mm-hmm. And when you get told that enough times, you start believing it. I have never been self-employed. I've never been employed by anybody else. I've always been self-employed. Okay. My whole life. Many, a lot of different little business started out with a little gift basket or a little flower arranging company, you know. And 
And yet, I never had the courage to take it all, any of those businesses, as far as I could have. Okay. And it seemed like I had a plateau when it came to money because I was never allowed any of the control over, even when I ran a family business, it was the family, my brother and my dad ran it. And when they had a big split in, in between there, which is, a, it was a saw sharpening business, same time that they had this big confrontation and my brother moved away, this business was just really going well. And my father came to me and said, um, well, I need help. Well, it was at the same time that my marriage just ended and I had, I was six months pregnant and had a, a 13 month old. And I, and I knew how well that business was going. So I walked three weeks after my second child was born, I walked into that saw sharpening business, all these big machines and oh, it just petrified me. And he handed me, a, it was must about 12 inch thick notebook. Here, learn the machines. And I was scared to death in the sense of, for him, it was another way of controlling. For me, I saw the opportunity to make a living and have a way to provide for my children in a very big way. Mm -hmm. I dug in and I learned every one of those machines and I had a very, very well, a very good business, but he always had control of the money. And after he was no longer in the picture, I didn't want the connection to him, so I sold that part of that business. Okay. Ended up getting back, sold, getting back, sold, getting back. Finally, I don't have it anymore. But there was that, there was something deep that I didn't want that connection, that it was something him, that he had himself had right. created right. originally. But then I went on to just because of my nature, I guess, to start other businesses. And I would get so far and sabotage myself. Okay. You know? Yeah. And it's been a process. Even, even now, I'm, and I'm working very hard. I've, I've got a fabulous book and some mentoring on this. It's called Happy Pocket Full of Money. Awesome. And, um, you know, for my, my subsequent book that, I, that was published – which was bringing together 30 other women who have all gone through abuse. And the name of that book is We Choose to Thrive. And our voice is rising to share with abuse survivors that they too can heal. Um, even on that, I didn't charge anybody for that, to do that. And I did it for a reason, but at the same time, that's not how you run a business. Right. You know? Right. So, so I am really happy I did it because it was an, a massive impact. There was, right now the count is over 5,000 people have seen those videos. There's been many people that have gone and picked up the book. So is, was it wrong not to charge? No. And I'm struggling with, do I charge on the next one? Because I have people right. asking me to be in the next one. But I, I know I've got to charge something in order to right. keep, keep the dream alive. And I have so many other projects I need to do, but I also have to have the resources. Yeah. So it's the worthiness. There's still those little pieces. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And so I have been very actively working with myself that I deserve, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I really just so appreciate your being so, so honest about this particular issue and the whole issue 
of self-sabotage because I think that for those of us who have experienced abuse, and especially that, I mean, I think emotional abuse, we all have it. When you're abused, period, you've got that. Right. There's an emotional component because you believe as a child, I must have, I must deserve this. I must really not be worthy. I must really not be lovable. So then as you move through your life, yes, it, this, this self-sabotage is constantly there. And I think part of it is that, you know, I don't really deserve this anyway. So I sub, and since we've been told we're ugly, we're stupid, we'll never amount to anything, we're, we then push away the good things that do come our way because, hey, I'm not worthy. This can't be right for me to have. Even because, relationships, even, you know, right, that's with, right. with partners in our lives. Yes. Um, I stayed single after my first marriage. I attracted the same thing as my dad with my first marriage. And after that was over, I stayed. I would. I was so worried that I would attract the same thing that I stayed single for 20 years. Wow. <laughs> And now I'm very, very happily married to an amazing man That's because great. I did a tremendous a lot of work on myself as far as, you know, my worthiness. And and I think each day you is a new day and you keep you keep working on being able to develop yourself into one that knows and believes and feels and speaks worthiness. Yes. You yes. Know? Yeah, and and especially if, if for those of us who are working to really apply and adopt the whole law of attraction, abundance mindset, and all of that, it's the receiving that's the big problem. It's the asking, no problem, sure, but then it's the believing and the receiving, so that you can truly receive the greatness that the universe has for you. And this little subconscious gremlin in there can keep pushing that stuff away that can keep us trapped and I think that's really what happens to us well I work with myself daily on on that and I work it with it through some very um, taking the time to meditate some very positive affirmations Mm -hmm. um, watching the words I speak because I don't acknowledge I've learned not to acknowledge or talk about oh my I'm really struggling financially right instead I know that it's the the uh, the universe is abundant and i and i am too right so um you know it it takes a conscious working on it and the decision it to does. pay close attention to the words we speak mm-hmm. the thoughts we think and how we feel within and taking that time out every day to take time to get quiet and take care of ourselves even yeah. if it's for 15 minutes it's it's very powerful. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do. Now, you, you mentioned that you really feel like this has become a mission for you. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, yes, you've got the book, and, and am I going to be creating a new anthology, and, and, and how will I create a business model that I can really thrive and support other people too? Do you think that that's a, a big core part of moving forward? Absolutely. How else is this mission informing what you're doing? Well, I'm working with a couple of other ladies right now, and we're not quite ready to, to launch it, but okay. we're doing the Million Women Message Tour, Okay. and we're starting Women Up International, and it's all in the, the ground groundwork and planning stages, very, very powerful, and it is not about, we're not, it's not about the, oh, I'm sorry about what happened to me. Right. 
it's not about I'm sad. It's about let's choose to thrive. You know, let's let's find how to be happy. Let's join arms, support each other, and be well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and several of the ladies that were in this book, we've kind of started working together to try and it has been amazing. And yes, I want to do. I want to keep the We Choose to Thrive series going, but then I, as the women, I've seen some amazing changes in the women that that participated in that back. Some of them were already coaching, have already done a lot of work on themselves, but it was a, a really interesting blend. Some were just starting down that journey, okay. and they have made such massive changes. It's just been like this. So as they continue to make their changes, then we will do another book series of, of Beyond Thriving or something on that. Right, you know? right. So there's there's a lot of beautiful things in the works right now. And we it's a and it will be an international movement. Awesome. So yeah. so let's talk a little bit about the people in your book. And I know we won't reveal names or anything specific about that. Can you talk about some of the the turnarounds or the improvements that they have seen and experienced since telling their story? You know, I've, I've, I have a private Facebook group that I'm pretty selective mm -hmm. as far as who, who can come into the, to the group. Um, and it's for a reason. Yeah. And the reason is, is that they need that, that safe spot to be able to, yes. to, to yeah, I'm really having a struggle today. Can I get some, I need help. And yeah. they do that. And what has happened at first, it was me, just only me responding. Now the very same women that at the start, when they first joined the group, were doing that, you know, on a regular basis, I'm mm -hmm. just really struggling, are now, for the new ones that are coming into the group, are now even answering and responding and giving them, lifting them up yeah. before I get, you know, maybe I'm busy with something and I haven't checked my yeah. Facebook, you know? And so now they're doing that. And some of them are now writing their books. Um, I'm starting, um, I'm coaching a couple of them right now to help them to great to get their books going. So coaching has also become part of the picture. And a lot of this is new to me. And it was interesting. I had somebody ask me the other day, where did you learn to public speak? And I go, oh. <laughs> you know what? You know me? <laughs> and I said, I just hired somebody to coach me to do it more effectively. And she goes, oh, my gosh, look, look what you're doing already. And practice. You just do it. You just you know? do it. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. she says, well, how'd you learn to be a coach? And I'm like, you just I just do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it is what it is. You know? Yeah. But, you know, We've, we've, I've worked hard, and I know you have too, to surround yourself with amazing people. And the, as life has gone on, I've been very selective. After once I, when I had my first marriage ended, ended, I started being very selective in who I allowed myself to be around. And even though it's been a long journey, you know, and a lot of things, and you know, I had children to raise, I had all kinds of stuff that I had on my plate, running a business, and. Right. You know, all the things that go with that. But I'm really, I totally love where I am in my life now. That's so great. That's so great. Yeah, the, the it's easy to be re-traumatized, especially if there are people in your life that are connected. I mean, if you're still connected to your abuser, you know, every time I would go home, 
and I would only go home to see my sister, really, but she lives with my mom. So every time I would go home, you're re-victimized, you're re-traumatized. And, you know, that was a choice I made because I didn't want to lose connection to my sister. And I felt like it was important for me to, to be with her and to support her. But at the same time, I knew I was being re-traumatized. So I think that's a big part of, and I'm, I applaud you for being selective, and that's exactly what you do need to do. I mean, I had to go for a period of time right in the middle of my therapy to just, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't, you know, I love you, but I cannot put myself in this place, right, especially right then, you know, because you're so sensitive at, at that particular point. So I think it's recognizing it and honoring yourself with that. Right, right. And, and safety first, you know, mm-hmm. really taking care of yourself first. That's so super critical. And I think the other piece then is recognizing that while there are the, the, these, these points in the recovery process, each of us travels the journey differently and responds differently. So we might go through the same remembering process, the same acknowledgement point that to say that was abuse, that was not normal, that was not right, what happened. But then how we get there and how we pass through it is different for it each is. of us. It, and you have to honor that. And That's right. I, I always say abuse is abuse. It doesn't matter what kind of abuse, it's still abuse. Right. And there's no way to measure how you react to abuse right. and how the extent of damage it does for you. Right. And I've learned that because every one of it was in my book, that the, the group book that we did, We Choose to Thrive. I interviewed every one of them. Do you know I learned from more about myself from each one of them? It was absolutely amazing. But some of them, you know, you think, wow, I, that wasn't not much, but it impacted their lives forever. It, yeah. And so there's no, there is no, I'm going to compare my abuse with your abuse. No, no we're there's, not having a contest. <laughs> this is no contest, right. and that's not what it's about. Right. It's what, where we are now and what we're going to do about it to be well, alive, happy, and thrive. Right. Yeah. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's a wonderful perspective. I just am so happy for you, proud of you. <laughs> so thrilled for you. So, and, and I really, again, I just applaud you for being honest enough to share where you are, where you've been, and, and the courage that you're displaying, you know, being here on this interview and also moving forward with, with how you're shaping this movement and, and really becoming a leader in this area because it is so incredibly needed. I was surprised at the, the sheer volume, the statistics that are only estimated, as you, as you said, because there's no true way of, you know, little kids aren't going to go, hey, over here, and, and there's so much uh, avoidance and not looking at it, not calling it what it is. So I really do applaud you. Thank you. And, and you know, for adults, many will never have never spoken up. And it is weight heavy, and I believe, firmly believe, there's been a very many, many, many that have gone to the grave with never saying a word, and have had yeah. lives that that were not fulfilled and as happy as they could have been, if that had not happened to them, or right. if they had found a way to rise above it. Right. You know? Yeah. And and 
the thing is, is that this life we're given here on this earth is, is just a brief moment. But in that brief moment, it's many years. And in those many years, if we're not living it fully and enjoying it, oh gosh, this life goes so fast. Time goes so fast. Before you know it, you're looking at yourself and you're saying, I'm 60. Oh, my gosh. How did this happen? And I haven't done any, very many of the things I've always dreamed of doing. Right. You know? And so now if I can step up and say, if I can only help one person, it's worth it. But already, in just, since my book, first book was published in August, I've helped many. And, oh, yeah. and it's growing. And it's, it is so, it just, it fills me. And it, it gives me life. It gives me joy. It gives me reason to know that in, maybe I'll live to 120 and be impacting the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it ripples out. It really does, because as, as each individual is changed, they're able to then continue this new, powerful life of joy for themselves and positively impact all the people that and they come exactly, into contact with. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah, yeah. The way I look at it is you, every day that you don't overcome and that you don't choose to thrive, you allow that abuser to win. Yes, and they just continue to hold you trapped. That says it very well. Because if we stay down there, that's exactly what who wins. Right. You know? Right. And fantastic. It's you know, so I just reach out. Anybody that's listening to them to this, just know that you're not alone. There's you've got a support system here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um and there's more and more of us that are standing. Yeah, more than you realize. And they're really that old saying, strength in numbers, it really is true because as you recognize that others have survived, others have dealt with this, are still dealing with it, you know, there is that strength and inspiration and motivation then to, to fight that good fight and get past it yourself. Mm -hmm. So, Becky, we know, yes, your book is out there. Your books are out there. So, so folks can find that. The best way probably is just go to Amazon, right, and even just right. search for your name and your books will come up, right? Right, right. What, what are some other ways for folks to get in touch with you and, and connect with your community? Okay, on Facebook, it's um, facebook.com and then it forward slash the woman I love and the number one. Okay, great. Because there was somebody else that had the woman I love and it was a song. Oh, great. <laughs> and um, otherwise, I have a website that's thewomanilove.com or Becky at thewomanilove.com. Awesome. Email. Yeah. And, of course, we'll have links to this uh, so that folks can find you once the, the interview is will appear on on uh, my Facebook page, but also YouTube. It'll be on my website, so folks will be able to to go right to those sites and uh, and get those links if they're wondering about what did she say? How do I connect with her? <laughs> so again, I just I'm so thrilled to to know you. I'm so proud of you, and I'm proud of you because I see the the growth in you and the, what the things that you're doing. Thank you. We all have a role. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Thank so I will talk to you soon, and thank you everyone for watching and listening today. All right. I hope you found that helpful. Becky is an amazing person, and I can't imagine the journey she's traveled. If you liked this episode, I hope you'll leave a rating and review on the platform where you enjoyed it, and please share it with your connections. You can join my community at winnieanderson.com and get episodes emailed right to your inbox. 
You'll also receive information, tips, and resources designed to help you break free from self-doubt, disempowering beliefs, and ineffective patterns, and create the thriving business you want and deserve. If you're serious about leaving the past behind and moving forward to achieve your goals, but you know you'd like to do that as part of a community of like-minded solo professionals and micro-business owners, I'm going to encourage you to, to join an action takers group. These groups support you to let go of past disempowering thinking and ineffective patterns and develop the kind of success habits that will support you in creating the thriving business you dream of. Visit winnieanderson.com action to learn more. Okay, so your reflection exercise. This one is actually sort of a reflection exercise and action step all in the same activity. Well, you have to ask yourself why you don't have what you want and then listen for what your heart tells you. Look at what you're doing and not doing and ask yourself what could be getting in the way. For example, if you regularly engage in disempowering thoughts like telling yourself you can't do something, calling yourself names like idiot or stupid, or maybe you tell yourself that your ideas won't work, you have to ask where those thoughts came from. The chances are very good that as my past guest, Mark Baker, explained, you've likely absorbed those thoughts from an authority figure who gave them to you. So think about where did you first hear things like that? This can be where journaling can really be helpful. When we lived in South Jersey, one wall in my home office was painted with a special paint that turned the whole wall into a whiteboard. So I would capture my thoughts there and just stare at them, trying to see the connection. Now, once you've identified the things that you say to yourself and you've started to identify the root of where those things originated, it's time to ask yourself what sort of action or behavior would help you get what you want and why you're not taking that action or behaving in that way. For example, if you don't have the number of clients you want and you know that having more conversations with interested potential clients would help you have more sales, then why aren't you having more conversations? Now, you want to list all the reasons and then identify what are skill-based reasons and which are belief-based reasons. So maybe you have to admit that you don't have a client acquisition process that works effectively. You know, that's a skill. You're not bringing in high-quality potential clients. And then the conversations you have with them don't inspire a yes from them the majority of the time. Now, as you dissect that, you can then identify the pieces that are learnable skills and the pieces that are belief-based because they're really tied together. If you believe that no one wants what you offer, then that's tied to your beliefs. They're often tied together, like I said, and when you find yourself trying to learn a skill that would move you forward, but you're, you're going to struggle in the application of those skills because you have a belief that you can't do it, that it works for other people, but it won't work for you, or you'll find some other reason not to implement the skills that you're being taught. And one of the big reasons that we have to face is this issue that we don't deserve the things that we want. And that's a mighty deep wound. We have to recognize the resistance and barriers that we're putting up that are really self-sabotage. That's what I mean when I talk about how we develop these strategies that then actively work against us. So if you decide you need help working through all of this, please reach out to a trained professional. 
And if you know or suspect your issues are related to abuse or trauma, please get help from someone who specializes in helping people deal with those issues. Now, if you know you're ready to come out of that long shadow and would like support as you build your business and build sustainable success habits that will help you achieve your goals, then be sure to visit winnieanderson.com action to learn more about joining an action takers group. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're capable of so much more than you think you are. Thank you.